Welcome to yet another Tuesday Timely Torah Talks. Tonight we have with us a very special guest all the way from Cleveland, Ohio, Rabbi Pinchas Landis. Welcome, Rabbi. How are you doing? Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be here. Although I got to say, as somebody who grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and lives now in Cleveland, usually when I cross the Verrazano Bridge, I just like start getting depressed to that first person that honks at me. But just being able to come to Chazak and be with you and be with the staff, it's it's it, it uplifts me, it makes me happy again. So it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It is our pleasure as well. Thank you for all that you do for Kalisra and the partnership that we've had with all these year in programs and lectures. We should continue spreading Torah all over the world. And uh, we're going to jump straight into it, Rabbi. Uh, tonight's topic is summer or slumber. But actually, before we jump into tonight's exciting topic, maybe you can give us uh, and our listeners a little bit of a background about yourself, Rabbi. Sure, it's my pleasure. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite topics, me. You know, I always love talking about it. <laughs> so uh, as I said, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. I am the middle of three children. And we are, our family is so deep in Atlanta, Georgia, that right now we have three generations alive. My parents, uh, me and my siblings, and my, my children, my nieces and nephews. And every single person in the family in those three generations lives in Atlanta, except for me, my wife, and my children. So we're like the black hatters. I mean, the black sheep of the family that we live outside of Atlanta. But be it as me, I'm sorry, four generations. I have a step-grandmother, Zolzai Gazun, who's 101 years old. She should live and be well. So, so, but, and we're the only ones who live outside of Atlanta. Uh, and what happened to me that I ended up getting kicked out of the city, I mean, leaving the city was that when I was in high school, roughly 16 years old, I was your average public school kid, like many of the children that Chazak helps along and, and helps to transition to yeshivas. And I wanted to go to yeshiva. Now, in those days, you know, there wasn't Chazak and there for sure wasn't Chazak in Atlanta, Georgia. So I suffered my way through the, not suffered, I did okay, uh, through public school, but learned as much as I could, connecting with the Atlanta Kolel. And once I finished high school, I went on to Yeshiva. I studied for one year in Yeshiva, Yeshiva University in New York City, two years in Or Sameach and Eretz Yisrael, and then many years in Neri Yisrael in Baltimore, where I eventually uh, was able to fool them into giving me smicha and uh, married my beautiful wife. I had a bunch of kids in Baltimore, moved on to my first job in Cincinnati, Ohio, by the way, if you think of Cincinnati as just a sleepy little Midwest town, you're 100% right, because Mark Twain himself said about Cincinnati that when the world comes to an end, he wants to be in Cincinnati because they find out about everything there 20 years late. So, you know, that's Cincinnati for you. Uh, I was uh, I worked in Kiruv. I worked in Jewish outreach there and had my own congregation. I was a congregational rabbi for about four out of the eight years I was there. And towards the end of that time period, I really missed just frontline Jewish education. Um, I really did not like the politics of congregational life. So I had an opportunity to move to Cleveland to establish a branch of Partners Cleveland. Partners Cleveland is a program connected to Partners Detroit. That was the original program in Detroit, Michigan. And the idea is we offer Jewish learning opportunities to Jews all across the city and now really with virtual programming all across the world. And one of our flagship programs is we have people learn one-on-one, but not with 
educators, not with professionals, with lay leaders. So we have a group of 100 volunteers right now who learn with our students. So it's not only our rabbis and our educators providing the education, but we empower lay people to become makeshift or, or, or temporary educators through, our, uh, through many of our programs. And we run programs all over Cleveland. We now run virtual programs all over the world. And, you know, for the most part, that's what keeps me off the streets and out of trouble. So if anyone would like to know anything more, you can reach out to me, rabbilandis.com or torahcleveland.com, and I'll tell you anything you want to know. Rabbi Landis, wow, that is so impressive. Unbelievable. Yad the Torah, continue spreading the Torah. You continue doing those amazing work. Partners, Cleveland, and uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to have you on the program. And, uh, you know, tonight's topic is summer or slumber. Uh, we are right now in the middle of the summer season. Rabbi, what does this topic mean to you? So, so this is such a complicated topic because, you know, you have the ongoing issue of a Jew. And, and this, is, this is an issue for Jew, no matter where they are on the Jewish spectrum, that how do we synthesize who we are as a people with the land that we are living in and the country we are living in. So, you know, as you said, it's the summertime. Summertime means summer vacation. And it means it's usually if you live in most places, it's warmer than usual. If you live in Cleveland, there's actually no snow on the ground for a few days. And it's a, it's a culture of getting outside, having fun, going to the beach, uh, going on vacation, going to, I think in New York, you, you go to Six Flags. Here in Cleveland, we go to uh, Cedar Point. Uh, but whatever you get out there, you do things, it, it's whether you're a student, in school or professional, it's all going to be different in the summer. And that actually, if you think about it from a Jewish perspective, is very complicated because what does the summer really mean to us if we think about it? Well, we're holding now by just a few days after Tubav and a, a week plus after Tishabav. So we had the three weeks of mourning where we focus on Jewish history, which is one of my favorite topics, uh, and, and all the tragedies we've had, and how we're supposed to grow from those tragedies, and how we're trying to be better people and, and become a better Jewish nation. And then, like, as soon as we end that, we begin what's called the seven weeks of comfort, the Shiva Shiva the seven weeks of comfort as we climb up to Rosh Hashanah. And three weeks into it, just another week and a half or so from now, we have the last four weeks of that, which is Elul, which is like Jewish self-help month, a like Jewish development month where we start blowing the chauffeur. We say, wake up from your slumber and become better people and think about everything you've done wrong and think about what you want to change and how you want to become a better person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this just doesn't work with the summer theme in America or in Canada, or in Australia, or in Zimbabwe, wherever you're listening to this today. It just, now, it, it's actually winter in Australia, but that's, that's a different point. But, uh, but you know, it, it doesn't make sense, because the summer concept is summer is the time off, leave me alone, Rabbi, why are you giving me such a hard time? Like, you're going to start blowing the show from my ear, and I'm still hanging out at the beach. I mean, you think about it, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the first day of the month of Elul, the month where we start blowing the chauffeur and start preparing for Rosh Hashanah is August 8th. I mean, if you if you are in New York, like, you know, I think it's considered a isodorisis, a Torah prohibition. If on August 8th, you're in this city and you're not in the bungalow colonies. I mean, it's the middle of the summer and you're blowing the chauffeur. As, as people often say this year, the holidays are coming very early. 
to which I always answer, they're never early or late. They're always right on time. But, uh, but you know, we, we have our loony solar calendar, and I get it. It's early on the secular calendar, on the solar calendar. So it, 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 it's a conundrum. It's a contradiction that from a Jewish perspective, we're really in the most, and the Vilna Gona explains this, we're in like the most serious time of the year, going from the three weeks Tish above the morning, which, you know, I'm sure everyone watching watched the amazing Chazak Tish above program with so much inspiration. And like you take that inspiration and you want to become a better Jew, but America is telling you to go to a baseball game, right? Like what's that all about? Or like basketball is still going on, which I haven't figured that one out yet. Maybe someone can explain to me why the basketball season is still going on. I think it has something to do with the coronavirus, but again, I don't get it. Uh, but, you know, so Judaism is telling you serious introspection, become better. And the rest of the world is saying, like, 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 go, go get on a boat and water ski. So it's, it's a conundrum. And as a rabbi, as an educator, and as caring, sincere Jews, we really have to synthesize this because we don't believe in sheltering ourselves, not living in the world that's around us, we believe in being an orlagola, a light into the nations and improving the world around us. You know, it's uh, not to go too far aside, but it's the difference between Noah, between Noah and, and the flood story and Avraham Avinu and our father Abraham. Noah believed that he could try and improve himself in the world by just bottling himself up in an ark, right? Whereas Abraham went out and tried to make the world a better place. So therefore, that, that's, what I, that's what I really struggle with this time of year, that, that the, the contradiction, the conundrum, the, the, uh, the discrepancy between what Judaism, what, what our people, what our Torah says we should be focusing on this time of year, and on the flip side, the reality of the fact that it is warmer outside, that if you want to go to Six Flags Great Adventure, there's the only time it's open. Uh, if you want to go to bungalows, there's the only time you're allowed, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. And, and that's really just to you know, sum it up. That's what the, this topic means to me tonight. The challenge of what it means to be a Jew, in many ways, comes out during these months of the year. Amazing rabbi, and we're going to discuss this further. And uh, as we all know, we live in a fast-paced world where we barely get to sit down, and especially during the summer, we have, you know, we have a little bit more time uh, on our hands. So maybe you could please uh, delve into the importance of using relaxation for a constructive purpose. On a personal level, Rabbi, I, I, I don't relate to this question. <laughs> uh, we don't understand the concept of relaxing over here at Chazak, and uh, maybe you could shed some light to uh, our listeners and uh, all those around the world. Yeah, beautiful. And, and you know, I, I'm with you because, it, especially with the introduction we just gave, as a, as a Jewish educator, like this is crunch time. Like we went, we all went off of our huge Tishabov programs, which which we didn't sleep for days leading up to it to prepare it. And then the day Tishabov ends, we're working on the LL programs now, and it's uh, it's uh, forget about sleeping. Like it, it's a uh, it's crunch time. But you know, I'll give you just a personal uh, a personal example because next week the Landises are going on their first vacation in over a year right we didn't because of the pandemic last year we didn't uh, we didn't leave Cleveland we really didn't do anything other than hang out at home and and now we're getting ready to go on a family vacation uh, God willing my sister-in-law is getting married in uh, August uh, August 11th and we're going down to see my parents in Atlanta the weddings in Miami we're going to go to the Smoky Mountains a whole 12 days away which will be uh, which will be very nice. But, uh, you know, we, we have to remember what the point of all these things are. You know, there's, first of all, um, you know, as, as a father and as a parent watching for all the parents out there, I'm sure you can relate to this idea that there's a big difference between a trip and a vacation. 
right? We all get that difference, right? Maybe for those of us who, who are listening, who don't uh, have the blessing of children, you might not get the difference yet, but it's, it's, there's, a, there's a trip and there's a vacation, right? And we, Baruch Hashem, have five children. This is everyone's home. As of yesterday, my daughter came home from camp. Everyone's home for the first time almost. Uh, we had a few days before they left for camp, but the, my, my daughter's in Eretz Israel usually during the year. My son's away in Yeshiva during the year. So we have everyone home. We're going on a trip. And it's going to be exhausting, right? We're going to pack up in the car and we got to, and, you know, for those in New York who aren't familiar with the Smoky Mountains, it's not like the Catskill Mountains. There's no Glotmart. There's no Dougie. I don't know, is Dougie still around? Uh, Whatever. There's, you know, you don't have all the, like, I always was the funniest thing when I, as a, as a Cleveland slash Atlanta Jew, when I go to the Catskills and like you walk into these mountain shacks and that's really what they look like. Look like they're about to fall down if you blow on them and you go in and you feel like all of a sudden you're in Brooklyn, right? It's, it's just, it's as nice as any grocery story restaurant in Brooklyn on the inside. They don't have that in the Smoky Mountains. We got chaperone food and our meat and our and our and our everything, our cheese and our milk and uh and and all this all this stuff to and back in the car we have to bring cars up carrier for the kids. I mean for the luggage and and it's gonna be exhausting from beginning to end. So so what's the point of it all? The point of it all is is I'll, I'll tell you what I believe it is as a, and I'm and I'm speaking as a father. For for kids listening maybe we'll say a different idea. But for, or I guess, probably the same idea for anyone in the family. It's about creating memories. I mean, I, I think back of my childhood and I think back of my, uh, whatever it is, 20 years that I've been a parent. And that's how we've looked at our trips, that they're not only about uh, getting away, getting out of the environment, doing something different, change the scenery, et cetera. But it's about creating memories because, you know, let's face it. If you do, this, if you do the same thing day in and day out, it, it does all blur together. You know, it all, it all becomes one big mush and all the same. You don't remember yesterday from today. And as a family, you want to build bonds, not only a husband to a wife and a wife to a husband, but the parents to the children, the children to the parents, et cetera. And that's therefore what it's all about. I think that's how we should look at the extra time that we have, that we're going to do things, whether it's going on a trip or a barbecue at the bungalow or a baseball game outside or whatever it is, that it's, it's time to build memories. And that's really how we should look at it. And, and by the way, this is really a word of caution, because if you go into it thinking that everything's going to be perfect, that none of your kids are going to fight, <laughs> that you're actually going to relax, um, that, uh, you know, forget it, you're, you're, you're going to the wrong place. But you should embrace all that knowing that, you know, God forbid, you're going to get a flat tire knowing that your kids are going to, after the six hours into the card ride, they're going to be a few fights that might break out, right? Knowing that you'll get to the cabin and uh, I don't know, the Wi-Fi won't work. I don't know. You you know, there's going to be issues. But if you go into the mindset, you're creating memories, then you turn all of those incidents into part of the memory. And it's all as you, as the trip leader, as the counselors, the parents, whoever it is, it's all how you deal with it and you deal with these experiences and you deal with these things that, that really define if you're creating memories or positive memories or not so positive memories. I, I once heard from a friend of mine, I think it was um, Rabbi David Markowitz from Olami, who told me, who, you know, Olami is a big, uh, a big campus, right, is a great friend of mine too. So they do a lot of campus outreach and young professionals outreach. And he used to work for an organization. He used to work for Ishii Torah and before that, an organization in Los Angeles. And he was telling me once that when they, when they would run trips to Israel, one of the best parts of the trip was when the bus would break down. Yeah. And he might like, Rabbi, are you insane? I, I, maybe the Kotel or I don't know, Matsada. But when the bus breaks down, that's the best time? He said, 100%. Because 
his staff would go into action to help use it to build bonds, to have conversations, to get deeper conversations that they could usually get, that they were hard to get in when you're running from place to place and doing things. So in short, I think that's how we should look at the summer. There's more time on our hands. We're going to do things with our kids or our family or our friends. Make sure that you go into the mindset of I'm building memories number one. And number two, whatever doesn't go along with my plan, that's okay. I'm going to use it as a building block in these memories. What a powerful lesson, Robbie Landis. I love it. Uh, wow, you inspired me. I, I, you know, I could definitely relate with the children and going out and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, that, that is really, really, really powerful. Uh, moving on to the next question, Robbie Landis, is that one might feel that during the summer, I might not have to be as careful and one can be more lax and quote unquote, you know, slumber about our Judaism until, you know, like the rabbi mentioned before, Elo comes. Uh, can you please discuss this phenomenon and how we can tackle this? The summer is not a time, you know, of course you can relax, like the rabbi said, the importance of taking the family out and building memories, but it doesn't mean that a person should miss out on Yamim or miss out uh, or not, God forbid, uh, keep kosher. Rabbi, you could uh, shed some light on that. Sure. Excellent question. Thank you. So, you know, I'll I'll share with you a piece of advice that I was once given from one of my teachers. And this was in the context of yeshiva, being a a rabbinical student. And but it's a I think it's a lesson that can apply to anyone. And one of my teachers would tell us before we went home for the vacation from yeshiva that while we're on vacation, he said, obviously, you're not going to learn as much. You're spending time with your family. You're resting. You're catching up on your sleep, which is important, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But make sure that when you're home, that you learn at least a little bit every day and that that learning is different than what you do in yeshiva. In other words, when we're in yeshiva, we usually are focused on uh you know, we were doing rabbinical learning, we were focused on certain areas of Jewish law, or before that on certain tractates, of the Talmud. But he said, take the opportunity to learn something different. You know, everyone is, has different things they enjoy. You know, some people like like the philosophical Hasidus and Kabbalah and Maharal and that stuff. And other people like uh, more practical Jewish law and other people like uh, the stories of the Bible of Tanakh. And, and during the year, let's say you don't get the time to do it because you have your regular, let's say, classes you go to. You have your Chazak programs that you watch. You have your, your uh, you know, whatever it is, your Torah Anytime programs that you watch. But, you know, now you're going to be on the trip. You're going to have four hours in the car. You're going to have, uh, you know, six hours, you're gonna, whatever it is. So let's extrapolate this idea from my teacher and say, do something different. In other words, take the opportunity when you're when you're in the car, as opposed to listening to I don't know Uncle Moishi tapes and and uh, NPR or whatever it might be. Uh, listen to something else. He said, "You know what? I always wanted to listen to that guy Landis on Torah anytime. I think he's uh, he's pretty quack. You know, he's a quack and a southern boy, and he'll, he'll throw in y'all every now and then. I'm gonna go check out this guy Landis or, or or whatnot. But you know, I think that's one way we can look at it. Yeah, we might think we have to. It's it's uh, you know we don't have our if you're a student, you don't have school. If you're a parent, you might not have your weekly classes, whatever it might be. So you might say, okay, I can be lax now. So, so approach that because of course we never want to be lax. We never want to slumber. Uh, life is a, I was giving the example, life is a down escalator, right? So it's like when you're a kid and you're at a mall or a hotel or something, they had this big escalator and we all did the same thing. We would try and walk up the down escalator. Right. And if you were strong enough and persevered, you could get to the top that way, but it took a lot more effort. 
or the way that uh, you know, if you're if you're used to boating or kayaking or these type of things, like going downriver or up versus upriver. Or have you ever noticed when you fly to Eretz Israel and you fly to Israel, it, it's uh, I forget which way is which, but one way takes ten hours, one way takes twelve hours, yeah. right? And it all depends if the headwinds are with you or against you. So, so, you know, life is always such that the headwinds are always against you. The escalator is always going down, right? You're always going upstream. That's just life. So if you sit back and do nothing, you're going to lose traction. <clears throat> so with the, the way that we can, I think, combat being in a different environment, say, I'm going to do something different. Learning. I'm going to find something different to learn, right? I can give you some suggestions. I, I'm a big fan of, uh, he's actually there in Queens, like you guys, Rabbi Lyman, Rabbi Dr. Schneer Lyman. Uh, I'm, I'm, for those of you who follow my stuff, you know, I'm very into history. So Rabbi Lyman has a book on, on, like the, on Tanakh, how Tanakh was organized. And I've been waiting to read this book forever. I'm taking it on vacation with me. Right? There's a great biography that came out recently from, from, uh, from uh, Jonas and Rosenblum, a biography of Renach Weinberg. Uh, I'm taking on vacation with me and, and I don't get time to sit back and read but on vacation. I'll get to, and, uh, that'll be something different. And, uh, look, the, where, where it gets complicated, obviously is, is like you said, with things like prayer, with kashras, with, uh, with, with keeping kosher on the road, with, with praying on the road, praying with a minyan on the road, uh, which are all very important things. So here's the one piece of advice I'll give on that. We know it's important. Right. We know there's never an excuse to be lax and whatever our level is. We want to maintain that level and keep that level going in the right direction. So this point will apply to you, whatever your level is. And that is that, yes, if you don't anticipate the down escalator slash down river slash headwinds, then they're going to knock you over. But if you anticipate it and you prepare for it, you'll win the race every time. So for example, if you're somebody like I have a very, very, very close friend, he was, uh, he actually was the uh, MC at my wedding, uh, Yaakov leader in Baltimore. So until the pandemic, so he's about my age, I'm about 43, let's say maybe he's 42. So from his bar mitzvah till he was 40, 41, however old he was last year, he had never missed a minion. In other words, he had never, never, ever Right, he had never missed praying with ten men, shachris min chamari, morning, evening, afternoon, ever from his bar mitzvah till he was whatever it was forty-one, almost twenty. I'm sorry, thirty straight years without missing a minion, because he was somebody who took minion very, very seriously. Now, did that mean that he didn't go on vacation? No, obviously he went on vacation, but he planned it out, and he only went on a vacation where he was sure he wouldn't miss a minion. I remember when we went down to my wedding from Baltimore, Miami. We, it was in June. So, you know, the sunset was like, I don't know, 830 or something like that. So there's gonna be plenty of time to dive in the afternoon service when we uh, to pray the afternoon service when we got to Florida. We were leaving like at Baltimore, like 12 o'clock or something like that. But he made sure that uh, that we prayed in the airport so that we wouldn't miss the minion, even though we were getting to Miami with like six or seven hours to go. He said, we're, we're all gonna pray in the airport because that's the only way I'm going. Now, that's because he would plan things out, right? He said, I'm going on this trip. I want to make sure I don't miss a minion. Therefore, I'll dive in the afternoon service here, the evening service there, the morning service there, and I won't miss anything. And that's what it boils down to. If somebody is, uh, is, is careful to put on tefillin every single day, do you think you will be successful on your trip and putting on tefillin every day if you forget your tefillin at home? No, but if you prepare, just like you're going to remember your, your, I don't know, your suntan lotion and your camera and your flip-flops and whatnot, you're going to pack your tefillin. So whatever your level is, treat vacation like that too. You want to keep the same level, prepare, think about it. And just like you're, you're going to AAA to get all the best deals and Dan's deals and what's not to make sure that you're planning on an awesome trip, plan it out spiritually too. Say, I don't want to slip while I'm on vacation. 
let's plan it out and make sure I stay on my level. Great suggestion, Rabbi Landis. Love it. We have to be prepared. We have to get ready. We have to know what we're getting into. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So that leads us to the next question, Rabbi Landis. How can we use the time period of the summer to uplift those around us and to show them the beauty of Jews? And how do we use the summer to, I guess for lack of better words, bring those that are far in Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, I, I, one of my teachers uh, always says uh, that, you know, don't learn from what I say, learn from what I do. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't say what he does. What he means is he spends time trying to explain certain ways on how to do things and, and how to grow and how to be better. And he's, an, and he's a really an ish emis. He's a true person, true to his word, that he's saying that if you don't get it from my words, from my teachings, look at how I do it. You know, I take prayer very seriously. So I, I'm going to teach a class on prayer and teach you how to pray and this and how to shuckle and, and all the good stuff. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's one thing if I teach it, I don't act it. So I think, first of all, for all our watchers, all our, all our listeners here tonight, you just look at Chazak, right? They, they're, they're, they're ta- always 24-7. I, I get the emails. I have to say the Chazak emails are the longest email I get all week long. Like it takes you literally, I think, about 45 minutes to scroll through the whole thing in a normal scroll because they're doing so many amazing things all the time, 24-7, uh, 365 or 354 if you're on the Jewish calendar. But, but they're taking the opportunity, especially during these time periods that we said are so serious, three weeks going on to Elul and and in bringing out the inspiration of this day and of these days and I think that's what we have to do as we talk to our fellow Jew might be not as connected might be more connected wherever wherever it is uh, on the spectrum we have to look at all the opportunities to bring out the amazing from a Jewish perspective the amazing ideas the amazing concepts that are that are literally right here in the summertime and not miss the boat so to speak Rav Dessler, the, the Mechtemilio, explains that the world, when the Almighty created the world, the Torah predated the physical creation. So therefore, there's a concept, the Almighty had the concept of Torah, and then he used Torah to create the world. In other words, the Torah was the instruction book, the Torah was the blueprint, and the world was created as a, as a fulfillment center for the Torah. So the way that that works is there's certain flows of holiness that come into the world on every single day, week, year, and specific season. And therefore, when we come up now to the month of Elul and, and the, the Yom Nuraim, the days of all and Sukkot, et cetera, those, it's not just like days on the calendar. It's not like the butcher shop came up with that when they made the Jewish calendars and just stuck it on there. No, that's intrinsic in creation. God himself, the Almighty, when he created the world, he put these flows of holiness into the world at these times. And they're there. Now, we can just miss them. It's possible. It's similar to back in the day before we had smartphones, internet, computer, all these different amenities we have today. We had this thing called a radio. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. It was a little box you could turn on. It had noise come out of it, people talking or music. So the way that the radio worked is that it was a uh, it would catch signals, what called radio waves, or radio signals, and the box or on your car, or wherever it was, it would transmit those into either song or 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 talk radio or whatever it was, and you could listen to it. Now, whether or not you had a radio, those radio waves were in the room, and and I'll, I'll even take it one step further. Radios still exist today, and therefore those radio waves are in the room right now, but we're not hearing them. Why? Because we're not tuned in. We don't have the box turned on. We don't have the radio turned on. 
So right now, these flows of holiness are coming in the world. Right now, it's the seven weeks of comfort building up from, from Tisha B'Av to Rosh Hashanah. So it's the theme of comfort coming into the world. It's a time period of comfort. We read this past uh, Shabbos in the Haftarah, the words of the words of the prophet Isaiah, Nachmu, Nachmu, Ami, you should be comforted, my nation. And every one of these next six weeks, we're going to talk about the idea of comfort, comfort. It's a time period of comfort, remembering the Almighty's with us, remembering that no matter what our struggles are in this world, that someone's got our back, the ultimate someone has our back. And that's the flow that's coming into this world. So whether or not we turn on the radio, the flow is there. But we got to just turn on the radio. got to take that moment to turn on to the radio and plug in because that's what's happening in the world right now and we don't want to miss it. Wow, what powerful words, Rabbi Lannan. It's amazing, phenomenal, great. Uh, myself, the listeners, because we're all enjoying so much, but time has come for the final last question, which is a final message that the rabbi can give all of us, which is timely, something that potentially is connected some way somehow to this amazing topic uh, that you can leave to our broader audience. Awesome. So I'm going to give you one last idea, one last idea of some of the things we said about summertime, about not missing the amazing opportunities, opportunities for growth, opportunities for connection that we have in the summer. And, and that is another thing that just always, you know, kind of blows my mind how it works out. But in the summertime, we read the book of Deuteronomy. We read, read the last book in the Torah. And what is the last book in the Torah? The last book in the Torah is different from the other four, right? The, the first four books of the Torah are all the record that the Almighty told Moshe to write down as to uh, different things that happen in our history, as to the commandments of the Torah, etc. That's the first four books of the Torah. The fifth book, Deuteronomy, is Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher Moses' last will and testament, his last speech to the Jewish people. It was a five-week speech. It was the last five weeks of his life. And he gave over just the, you know, if you know what a last will and testament is, his life's purpose, his ideas, the final teachings to the Jewish people. And I believe it was Rechaim Shmuel Levitz who said that if someone wants to learn ethics and Jewish philosophy, all they have to do is look at the book of Deuteronomy. And we take out such amazing things. And, and I'll share with you one of those things that just always inspires me. It was in, it was in uh, last week's Torah reading. It's going to be in a few weeks again. It's a few times Moshe uh, brings this up in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's the idea that for us as Jews, that there's always somebody there. There's always someone there who's looking out for us, who's taking care of us. And no matter how difficult the road gets in front of us, the Almighty has our back. And no matter how much we push him away, as we were apt to do throughout Jewish history. And by the way, Moshe and his infinite prophetic wisdom talks about it. He says, it's going to be a rough ride for you guys. You know why? Because you as the Jewish people are going to try so hard to push the Almighty away. You're going you're gonna, to you're go into the land of Israel and you're going to worship idols and, and practice the way of the nations surrounding the land of Israel. And you're going to end up, you know, the Almighty is going to give you every chance to change and to improve and you're not going to take it. You're going to get kicked out. You're going to be scattered across the world. The nations of the world are going to try and destroy you. But through all that, and one of the most amazing prophecies of all time, Moshe says, through all that, you're going to survive. You're going to survive it all. You're going to beat them all. And in the end, you're going to return to the land of Israel. Now, we, my friends, are the first Jews since the destruction of not the second temple, since the destruction of the first temple to see the majority of the world Jewish population living in the land of Israel. 
Amazing, right? Like right, David Godley from Orson Mach once gave a mathematical probability that like if you take the prophecies that Moses lays out in the book of Deuteronomy and say at the time when he said them, what's the mathematical probability of these coming to coming to fruition? It was like one in 16,000 chance of these things becoming true. Yet we all see every single thing that we read about coming true, that we're going to return. The Almighty always has our backs. And just like we see those things and we know it's true that through these times of the summer, which we said we got the conundrum that summertime yet Judaism and how's it all reconcile and what's it all how's it all come together and through these challenging times we're having we have to remember that just like we look at the story of Jewish destiny of Jewish history and we see that's all come true as Moshe told us is going to come true so too the Almighty loves us like it says in there the Almighty is there for us he's rooting for us and no matter where we where we succeed or where we fail he's always going to be there to pick us up and he's never going to forsake us and that's the idea we have to take as we're going through these times of trying to figure things out with summer and being a Jew, the times of the challenging times on the calendar and what's happening in the world. And we have to remember that he always has our back. Sometimes all we have to do is reach out and turn on that radio. Thank you so much for this opportunity. This is awesome. Rabbi Landis, what what inspiration. Really, really, really amazing. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for all your partnership, all that you do for Polystrol. It was uh, very, very inspiring that they're on this. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And anytime, anytime you want me, I'm always, I'm always, it's, it's a pleasure to jump in your studio and to be part of your show. We really appreciate it, Rabbi Landis. And uh, we will definitely be in touch. We want to remind all of our viewers every single Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we have special guests, various different timely Torah talks. And uh, looking forward to Zeb Hashem continuing these great uh, uh, talks. And Rabbi Lang is looking forward to seeing you in the Yishlaim of Mia, uh, the last name of the complete redemption to come speeding our days. Amen, Rami. Amen, amen. Thank you so much and look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. I hope that's what you wanted. Rabbi, wow, that was really good. You just woke me up from my slumber. I'll tell you a funny story. When when I was when I was in Yeshiva, I did a seed program in Sydney, Australia. And oh, wow. I was in this like office building giving a lunch and learn. And I tend to be a little loud and excited, as you see. Yeah, and afterwards there's a lady who's sitting there like, like like this. And I said, like, I said, are there any questions? And she said, You're really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Being really loud could be a good thing for the speaker world. I try, I try, but thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Very, uh, our, our appreciation to you, Rabbi. And in regards to uh, DJG, well, I will send you know, it's impressive. You actually know his last name. He told me most people in New York don't know his real last name. Oh, they think it's Joshua. I think it's somewhat of a catcher. And he's, he's really, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the one that really uh, introduced you to the touring time uh, for that Exactly. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was pushing me on a long time to get involved. He kept, he didn't let Shimon and Ruben, uh, you know, they, they, they now have officially a moratorium on letting new speakers on because they have so many, but he, he pushed them to actually give me a chance. So, uh, no, no, they don't have, what did you say? They, they, they're not, no, they, so, they, 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 they're not They're at least when I went on to three years ago or something at the time, they weren't accepting new speakers. Oh, they still don't right. have people reaching out to me. Yeah. We can see here and there now. Right. But uh, yeah, I was telling Robbie, one of the things we're doing now is, uh, I don't know if you saw this Torah Anyone program. So, yes, uh, I heard so it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, we're, we're working hard on that. Our, so. our land is like spirit right now, no? 
Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, they, they had, I, put it this way, we separately had the idea. I approached the Koyakovs about it. They had had the idea, but they're doing 15,000 million things. And I basically said, well, look, I'll run with it if you'll let me. And they said, fine, run with it. So, so that's what's happening. And, and the rabbis they love with the, the, the rabbis. Yeah. Yes, well, yeah. Amazing. Over a thousand Islamists already saved rabbis. Yeah. Right. Four yeah. years more. Yeah. Like. We got we got one and one hopefully in progress. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a tough one, but they're all tough ones. And, and then we're right. figuring out how to do uh, how to, like Rabbi and I were talking and Rabbi Rubinoff making it a making it a thing here. So are you ever in the New York area, Rabbi? So I keeps on Rabbi. I gotta get up there one of these days. So yeah. I will uh, and, and he knows we're that. I was I was supposed to be up there for a chasana in the early spring. I ended up not making it, but uh, I will definitely let you guys know if I'm. That's known in advance. Robbie will put some stuff together. You know, Robbie's. Uh, we just had to lose you. Rabbi Yassi, your neighbor. Yassi, my neighbor. My neighbor. I, neighbor? I can... Yassi been two times. Yassi lives about three houses down from me. I could open my front door and yell at him if I wanted to. <laughs> That is funny. Okay. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, in fact, we're doing something. Uh, we're doing a live event together. It's, we haven't done a live event together in like forever. We've done we've done a lot of these like you know pretend live events. But we're doing a real bona fide live event in in a few weeks together. Uh, well, yeah, it's going to be in Cleveland. It's going to be part of the for it's going to be part of Torah anyone on the you know for the live stream and all that. That's but uh, we're doing a uh, we're doing a uh, a TED talk type thing. So uh, with me and him. Beautiful. Okay, yeah. great, amazing, good stuff, good stuff, Rabbi. The community in Cleveland is uh, is uh, growing. It, what, what's the matzah there? Yeah, oh, it's growing like crazy. It's oh, really? it's uh, it's um, it yeah. It, it, I mean, part of it is there. We have uh, we have school choice here, which means school vouchers. Right, so yeah. so you get uh, you get about uh, I think for elementary school it's like fifty five hundred dollars, and for for high school I think it's seven thousand dollars. <laughs> exactly exactly so, so you know even before you have to start with a tuition committee you know that it's uh that it's you're you're already ahead of the game so um so it's you know that's attractive a lot of people cost of living is much less than the east coast um people know that by the way there should be some that, uh, uh some recruiting over here you'll get a lot of the time because young couples like myself you know five six kinder it's hard with the tuition so uh yeah, exactly, and and and, and it has and a lot of people just for that because the word gets out about it, and they, uh, you know, because like you said, tuition is, you know, we, I mean, I know it's the, I could get a new Tesla every year with what I spend on tuition. <laughs> so, but the guys like me and you, we have to raise, we have to go ahead and raise the money for it. Guys are on the workforce; it, it's very yeah. hard because, like, like I mean, again, I don't want to say fundraising is easy, but at the end of the day, I I look at the budget, I raise the money we need, and I raise it. But uh, when you're talking about uh, and I do that for my staff because I know everyone has, has has kids in school. So, but when you're talking about a, a ball of bus, let's say if a guy has like a regular job making, I don't know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, you just can't live on that. So, right. you kind of place like Cleveland, where uh, where they're at least covering some of the tuition for you, and houses are you know you get into a house for two hundred thousand dollars. It's a, uh, and they even just opened Grove here. Like we have a Grove here now. You, I mean, it's like unbelievable. You know, what Grove is <laughs> two hundred thousand dollars a home is it? No, two hundred, two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand dollars. It's a joke. Yeah, you could get in a home for two hundred thousand dollars. Wow. That's a small home. That, that's a that's a small home, but still, yeah. So that's um. Rabbi Lannis, your Chicago once again. Really, really. Thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to seeing the final.